0: Well, in, right now we've come around the time of the word and today we are incredibly blessed uh, to have a great brother in the faith, uh, Gary Caruthers and also Charlotte, they're visiting us today all the way, uh, Gareth, sorry, Gareth, uh, they're visiting us all the way from Fangade, uh, and we're absolutely blessed to have them with us and he's going to be bringing the word, he is such a weapon in the faith and the things of the Holy Spirit and so we want to welcome you, why don't you jump to your feet and join me and welcome them as he joins us on the stage. Bless you, bro. Fantastic. Good morning, everyone. You can grab a seat. How are you? I'm Gareth, or Gary Crothers. You know what? I was in Botany a few weeks, and they called, me, they called me Graham. And I'm Gary here today, so I don't know. Next week, we're in Papakura, so it could change again. It's good. My name's Gareth, and as you can tell, I'm not from the North Island here. I'm from Northern Ireland. A wee bit further away. We're based up in Fine Gaudet at the moment, serving the church up there. We took the trip down two and a half hours last night, which was wet and windy and wild. The roads aren't great, but we got here. We made the 30-hour plane journey um, about three months ago here from Ireland, and we were just so blessed to be here. I have to tell you, the worship was something else, wasn't it? We don't worship like that in Ireland. I only see people dancing like dawn there if they've had, like, one or two Guinnesses, you know? like Whoa! So I don't know what he's drinking, but whatever he's drinking, I need some of that stuff, you know. I'm not here to worship, thank God. I am here, though, to bring the word. And before I do bring the word, I want to actually bring you guys a picture that I feel the Lord has put on my heart to share with you all. While you don't recognize me or know me, I have seen some of your faces over the last month with our vision offering videos going around all the different campuses. I feel part of the family. I've I, I seen this building from an aerial shot. must have been over 20 different times. I, I feel like I know he's inside out a wee bit. But over the last month, as I was preparing and praying for this moment and to continue our alignment series, I, I felt a picture that God gave me. And it was, it's, it's not anything up in pie in the sky. You know, it's not, don't let your imaginations run wild. It's not a heavenly encounter for you to be mystified by how holy I am. But it's more like the parables that Jesus would share. An everyday ordinary object with a heavenly meaning that brings breakthrough and manifest in the lives of those around us. And the only thing spiritual some would say is the name of this object, and it is a spirit level. <laughs> Who here has a spirit level? Who's a proud owner of a spirit level? Okay, we have about four straight bookshelves at home. Because although many of you might work in construction, some of you will have had to use this when it comes to, to putting up a bookshelf or putting up a table or, or if you've built a house or been involved in construction, you need this when it comes to the foundation. You need to set it up, line it up and make sure things align. And if anything is just slightly off, the whole house comes down. The whole shelf comes down. You know about it, don't you? If things aren't aligned and I really felt as you as a church here seek to not only... Build a building, facilities, but to build the family of God, to seek to build the kingdom, before you advance, you must first align. Before we start to build the house, we must make sure the foundations are aligned. And I believe this is a word for you and the whole Elam Christian Center family because we have just had a series of Outpouring a few weeks ago. Who enjoyed our series and Outpouring? It was so good. All about the work of the Holy Spirit. And as Pentecostals, we can be very guilty of of just being out of line and really focusing on the Holy Spirit. We can really push into the work of God in our lives there's nothing wrong with that we love the work of God, but when an outpouring happens, we must align ourselves with the Word of God. we can't just be all bent on this side, all into the work of God and miss out on the Word of God we need Alignment, And if we are to advance as a church, we must first align ourselves. Find that alignment and that balance between the work of God in our lives and the Word of God in our lives. This is all over Scripture. But this principle is seen, especially in the New Testament. When an outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens, there's always an alignment. Or if you're a good churchgoer, you've been in church for a long time, you might recognize this phrase that Reformation follows revival. Where the Spirit's poured out, it always points to Jesus. And if you want to know if you're a a spiritful Christian or you're part of a spiritful church that's filled and functioning in in the Holy Spirit, you will see that person or that church pointing people to Jesus. Not into more of the mysteries, and, and that's good and that's great, but focusing in on the experience, but encountering the living God. the son of god we need alignment because alignment always follows outpouring we see this in acts chapter 2 verses 37 to 41 this is what it says you know the story of pentecost where the holy Spirit's poured out in acts chapter 2 here they have been speaking in tongues and people have thought they're like pastor don a bit drunk there at the front they were doing their dance so they were and they're like how many guinnesses have you had they said, we're not drunk; It's the Holy Spirit on us. And he starts to preach. And when he preaches about Jesus, it says this, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of who? Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that alignment that follows outpouring but it goes on to say, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who were far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized and there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. Why do we need alignment on our lives? Why do we need to take out the spiritual spirit level? Because we are part of that crooked generation. We were born, so to speak, with a bent. The Bible calls it sin, where we are off. We're off course. We're out of line. We're out of alignment with the word, the will, and the ways of God. We're born with that bent. We're part of that crooked generation. And friends, you as well as I could spend all morning talking about the sins of those around us. Our friends our families, their failures and their flaws. We could talk about the schools. We could talk about our government. We could go all day. But if we're being honest, we need to look at ourselves first. Before we look and point at anyone else, we need to look at ourselves because the culture has crept in and contaminated our hearts. And we we have conformed to the world in more ways than one at times. And we are out of line. We are off-centered. We need alignment. And that's where we connect with the Christians in Colossians. This alignment series has been about Paul's letter to the Colossians. And they were facing a very similar situation. They were a city with a great river that flowed through it. And as a result, it was loads of trade. and, And travelers would come to invest in that area, to set up their businesses. They'd bring their families. And with their families and their business, they brought different religions they brought so many people and ideas that were not the ways of Jesus, and it challenged it. It's like the society we live in today. You can be a Christian as long as it doesn't interfere with me. We bring down Jesus as Lord and we make him like one of us. He said, Yeah, sure, Jesus can be Lord, but so's Caesar, so's Buddha, so's Allah. He's Lord just like the rest of them, and they faced this challenge. And the truth is, their environment they lived in started to affect them. Wow. They started to go off course. And it's interesting, because the river that brought so much trade to the area, it actually flows into a river called the Meander River. It's a very famous river in modern-day Turkey. Why? Because that's where we get our English word from, meander. You know that word meander means to go off course? It's just like the river that, that bends and curves like a snake, we go off course, we meander, we go off track, off route. And they had done the same. In their culture, they began to meander. They started to drink from the waters of their culture rather than Christ, the living water. And they started to be corrupt. They started to be challenged in that. Paul writes them a letter, and you've been going through it week by week for the last three weeks. And this morning, I have the privilege of bringing our series to a conclusion by looking at the final chapter in Colossians chapter 4. So if you have a Bible or you want to look towards the screen, we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 4, reading from verses 2 to 6. This is what it says, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open up a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech also be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each other. I want to entitle this message this morning, A New Balance. A New Balance. And I want to suggest that you need a new balance. These are the words I heard quite recently. And the reason for that is that I play a lot of soccer, or football, I don't know what you call it here, but it's the one you kick with your feet. And that's what I did a lot in Ireland from as a young boy for the last two decades, I have played football. And as a result, I've got a lot of knocks and bangs. I- I've tore both my ligaments in my ankles, both of them. So if I go like this here, oh, you can't hear that without a mic. You heard it. You know, in fact, I had a nickname in high school. They called me Pony, because I'd walk around like a horse clipping and clapping. Terrible nickname. But I, last season, I, I tore both um, my, my hamstrings as well. And this season, I tore both my quad muscles playing football. And I went to a physiotherapist, and they said, you are out of balance. You're out of balance. This wee woman, five foot nothing, was pushing me around, making me scream, and, and making me feel so uncomfortable, pushing me about, because I had no balance. And you know what? She actually said, this is a cracker of a line. She said, you know the reason you pulled your hamstring muscles? She said, you have the muscle compared to, like, the engine of a Ferrari, but it's in the body of a Fiat Punta. (laughs) You know, whether that was a compliment or an insult. But there's a tension. If you put the engine of a Ferrari in a body of a Fiat Punta, there's a tension there. You have so much energy and so little body to do anything with it. And that's like us with the, the flesh and with the spirit. There's a war going on, you know. The flesh... You know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we get that right across life, don't we? We get it when it comes to how we look. We all want to look really well, so there's that desire to go to the gym. But there's also the desire to sleep. And to take it easy and to eat that extra slice of cake. And then when there's that desire to sleep, there's a the desire to drink coffee. Which, there's a tension. How many coffees are I drinking before it's, you can't sleep at night? And... Then there's, you know what, uh, all this energy, I should go and earn money. I should go work hard in my career, but I want to have a family, and I want to make memories. And we we find ourselves in this tension of life. You know what changed my life was when a physiotherapist told me, you need to find a new balance. And I went, okay, what do you mean by that? She said, the problem you have, not in your thigh or in your quad, or in your hamstring, or in your ankle. It's in your feet. Your soles, your big, flat, fat feet. And you're out of line. And you need to get insoles. And I went, and I bought these insoles in Ireland. There we go. I have to say, they were expensive and flimsy and floppy, but they did the trick. Worked perfectly started to align my whole body. And when my, my feet were aligned, my whole body was aligned. But the only problem was this. You get to a certain age in life, when you realize you need to start buying shoes for function and not fashion. <laughs> like, I have these boots on me this morning because I think they look cool, you know? I bought these, I don't know, it was actually in a, a hillbilly town in America about seven years ago. I'm cheap, and I'm tight, and I like to keep. If it looks good, it looks good, and it does me. I wasn't for buying new shoes, but they're fashionable. But you can't fit these in them. No function. And she turned around and said, you should find a new balance. And I did. New balance trainers. That's what you meant, honestly. That's what you said. She said, that's the only brand of shoe I know that is going to fit your big, fat, flat feet. <laughs> and I bought a new balance. And I'm telling you, things have changed. I am now standing in alignment. And I have healing in my body. But the truth is this, Paul says we need to find a new spiritual balance because we need healing in our souls and in our lives. Not just in our souls and our feet, but in our souls and our faith. We need that alignment that he talks about. We need that alignment. And Paul proposes a new alignment. He proposes an alignment in Colossians chapter 4, the balance between prayer and proclaiming. He mentions two things here in the scriptures of what we looked at. He says that we are to be a people of prayer, and we're to be a people who proclaim. In other words, we are to know Jesus and to make him known. And oftentimes, the problem in church is we find ourselves in one of the two. We can be really good people of prayer. Like, we love to pray. We love to talk to God. We could spend hours with God if we wanted to. If people would just leave us alone, we would spend time with God. like getting away, reading that good book, spending time in the Word, praying with the Father. But then there's people on the other end of the spectrum, and they really, really hate prayer because they love people. They mightn't be able to talk to the Father, but they can talk to people. They have a way with their words. And we find ourselves in this, but Paul says, I want you to find a new balance. And he sets us the most amazing example of himself. We see even at the start of this book in Colossians, Colossians 1 and 9, where he says, and so from the day we heard, he's talking about when I heard about you guys, the Colossians, we have not ceased to pray for you. He was a man of prayer, but he wasn't just a man of prayer. He was a man that wanted to proclaim the gospel. Colossians 4, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. And when you're praying, pray for us. Verse 3 in Colossians 4 says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for us, for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Paul has an amazing example of someone who's devoted to prayer and to proclaiming. But what does he expect of you? What does he expect of the Colossian church? He makes it clear. When it comes to prayer, we are to be watchful. And when it comes to proclaiming, we are to be watching out for opportunities. We are to be watchful and watching out. When I say that word watchful, I'm reminded of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew chapter 26 Verses 40 to 41. He came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, "So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We're to be watchful in prayer because when we neglect prayer, we go to sleep, asleep spiritually, so to speak. I have a watch in my pocket. And to be watchful means to spend time in prayer. That might look for someone who's getting up early in the morning setting the alarm on your phone and making an appointment with God each and every day to pray, we need to spend a for, for long time in prayer. But it also means that we don't let the hands of this clock go round each hour without us praying. We don't let an hour of the day go round without us praying. Yes, that looks like spending 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour in prayer in the morning or at night. But it also means in the middle of the day when you go to work and things are rough and tough, and you need to say, God, I need your help. Or you're at lunch break and that person sits beside you and you were praying, God, I didn't want to sit beside her. But, you know, that's the moment we, we are watchful, but we're also watching out for opportunities. First Peter 3 and 15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Yes, we are to be watchful in prayer, But we're to watch out for opportunities. There are moments when your colleague or you're in school and your classmate says, oh, such and such happened at the weekend. Or or, this is going on and that's going on. Watching out for opportunities to actually not only pray for them, but to proclaim the good news to them. The everyday, ordinary, divine appointments God brings along your path. We're to be watchful and to be watching out. That's what's expected of you. But how do we do it? It's all well and good knowing what God expects of you in prayer and proclaiming, but what happens when you set the alarm to six in the morning, you wake up and you're like, okay, what now? <laughs> you know? Or what happens when the opportunity arises where that person starts to open out their heart to you and work? Or your family member starting to open up for the first time and dear knows how long? What do you say? Well, Paul's encouragement to us comes with an explanation. We see it that we are to be grateful and graceful. Grateful in our prayers and graceful in our proclaiming. We're to be grateful because Paul, when he writes, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. If you struggle to pray, just start with praying about things you're thankful for, things you're grateful for, things that God has blessed you. If you get there and you get this brain fog and you don't know what to say, just start with everything that God has given you. Just thank him. And if that takes you 10 minutes and you're done, think about your family members, your your husband, your wife, your children. Think about your church family here. Think about all that God's doing and you will spend time in the place of prayer when you're thankful. If your prayers consisted of just being thankful, wow, what a prayer life. And that doesn't mean we don't ask, but when we ask, we don't do it with greed, we do it with grateful hearts. We do it with grateful hearts. We're not just to be grateful, we're to be graceful. So, when we proclaim to people, we are to be graceful. Paul writes, saying, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that they may know how you ought to answer each person. The words you say and the way you say it are to reflect the grace you've received in your life. Okay? It's not about watering it down. I'm saying, Oh, you're avoiding it. It's not about watering it down, okay? It's about talking to people not so that you get a good reception from them, but you give them a good reception. It's not that, you know, you get a great response every time you talk to people about the gospel, but they get a great response from you that you welcome them with your words, that you never... It's not about winning arguments. But Gareth, you don't know the person I work with. You don't know that. You don't know my sister. You don't know that troll I have on Facebook every time I post anything. You don't know... What's the point winning arguments if we lose souls? We're to be grateful and graceful in our prayer and proclaiming. And Paul drives this point home with his last words in the book of Colossians. What does he say? Colossians chapter 4, verse 18. It says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. But what does he finish it with? Grace be with you. Grace be with you. Be grateful in prayer and graceful in your proclaiming grace be with you i would love to pray with people here today because i know i feel you when i hear this passage preached coming out of my mouth i'm thinking god i need this alignment i need to step in line i want to be grateful and graceful and there's people in here and i know it that you're thinking yes i can maybe share my faith but i need to go on prayer you're like, I have no problem praying, but I really want to grow and go and then share with people as well. But I'm really, really aware that there may be some people in this room, and I would hate to, to read from the Bible, speak from the Bible, without realizing that you're here, and you haven't yet made a decision to follow Jesus. I cannot and no one can expect of you to be grateful or graceful or watchful or watching out for opportunities, if you haven't first experienced the grace of God yourself, the grace of God that we see perfectly in the person of Jesus, the picture on the person of grace that we all need, the one who brings us into true alignment with God. You see, we're not called just to straighten ourselves up a wee bit here, to step in line, but for him to realign our hearts And before I pray for those folks who maybe want to grow on prayer or proclaim it, you might be here and you actually want to receive Jesus for the first time. You realize that you've maybe walked through these doors, you've walked through life, going your own way. Yes, it's been with a bent. Yes, it's been going off center. You're not walking in the way as the will of the word of God. And right now you're realizing that Jesus Christ died for you. That he died on the cross to forgive you of your sin. That bent that we have that doesn't just lead to a bent in our life, but into our afterlife. It leads us to hell, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive you and to set you free from the curse and the condemnation of sin, the consequence of sin. No longer separated from Him, but in true relationship and true alignment with Him. Well, if that's you in this moment, I'm just going to ask that everyone would bow their heads and close their eyes just to give A moment, an opportunity for someone to respond, someone to say, "I want to follow Jesus. I want to turn from my sin and put my trust in Jesus as Savior. I want to receive this abundant and this eternal life that's only found in Christ. I am no longer want to live the way of the flesh, but to walk in alignment with that outpouring of the Spirit right now in this moment. If that's you, and you want to decide right now for the first time to follow Jesus, would you just do?" me a favor and raise your hand. I would love to pray with you. I'd love to support you in that decision. If that's you for the first time, just raise your hand right now and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to turn from my sin and put my trust in you. One final opportunity, if there's anyone here that wants to put their trust in him, we'll pray with you, we'll lead you and talk with you in this moment. Thank you, Lord. Okay, let's pray. If that's you, I want to lead you in prayer. Every relationship starts with communication and we want to talk to the Father. So if that's you and you're making that decision, then I praise God for that. I want you to repeat after me as I lead you into the best relationship you'll ever have in this life. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus. For living and dying for me. Thank you that he didn't just die, but rose again to forgive me and to set me free. I choose to follow you, to turn from my sin, and to make you Lord of my life. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit as I follow you? Amen. Amen. Right now, folks. Praise God for the folks who've made that decision both in our 9 a.m. and our eleven a.m. Fantastic. I would just love to give one final opportunity for those in this room who would who would want to pray that they would grow in either prayer or proclaiming to step in line for that. So I'm just gonna ask in this moment, would you all stand with me in this place? And as I pray in a moment, I want you to pray. Because you folks know Jesus, you know the Father, He's your Father as much as He is mine. And if this is your earnest desire to step in line with prayer or to step in line with proclaiming to say, God, help me to grow or help me to go, that this is an opportunity for you. So as I pray, I invite you, would you pray? Would you speak to him? Would you ask him to do that work afresh in your life? Because it's only by the grace of God do I. So right now, let's lift up our voices all across the place. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word of God, not only the scriptures, but for your son who brings us into perfect alignment with you. We pray in this moment, would you give us that new balance of prayer and proclaiming, of knowing you and making you know. I pray, Father, for a fresh desire in each and every heart in this place. Those earnest who are going after you to pursue you in prayer and in proclaiming for the honor and the glory of your name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Amen.